great having Tom and Claire stay with us this weekend from Sydney. We've had all the, how many do we have? Six boys? Yeah, one girl. And um, when they, Tom and Claire first arrived, um, Esther saw, uh, we're a gluten-free household. These guys are like a, a lactose-free household, so a good combo. Ate, like, I don't know what we ate all weekend. <laughs> but, um, and of course, they had like Special K, which has gluten in it. And Esther's like, oh, because we don't really have gluten in the house. She's like, can I have some of your cereal? And Tom's like, yeah, yeah, go for it. She, she's sorry, she's not celiac, only the boys are. So she was allowed to have it. And then Eli said, can I have some too? And I was like, yeah, sure. And Tom and Claire were out, so I just made them both a bowl of cereal. They weren't out, they were somewhere else in the house. They didn't dump the kids and leave. <laughs> and, then, um, and then the next morning, um, when Tom was going to put, Tom and Claire were going to put their almond milk on Eli's cereal Eli's like I don't want almond milk it tastes terrible I want real milk and I said to Tom oh like is that because our kids are having real milk like does does he normally get upset about other kids having milk and I know what it's like to have kids that can't have what everyone else is having it's sad and Tom's like oh well he's he's normally okay but because you put normal milk on his breakfast yesterday <laughs> now he knows what it tastes like he's tasted the promised land I was like oh my gosh I just had a complete brain snap and like I, my kids cannot eat certain things and I have to communicate that with parents of all people I should know. I'm like, I'm so sorry. So now Eli knows what real milk tastes like. I don't think there's any going back. It's sorry, Tom and Claire. <laughs> uh, anyway, and then all weekend, Tom would find Eli helping himself to cups of milk walking around the house. <laughs> anyway, it's good real milk. All right, so um, exciting times we're living in, hey. 21 days of prayer and fasting, I think, has been really significant for us and looking forward to the welcome lunch too after church. On that note, we're in the process of kind of getting together a bit of a welcome to church course where we go through a bit more of church life, the history of us as a movement, um, discuss a bit more of God's purpose for us and how we're wired, and it's going to be really good. So for those of you who are new, obviously we're going to have a lunch and that's going to be fun and really good time to connect, but also we have that coming. If you would be interested, we will keep you posted on that. So anyway, back to prayer and fasting been doing that for the last 21 days. Wednesday's our last day. Everyone come to prayer meeting. It'll be, I think, really significant. And yeah, we can have a feast afterwards. That's a great idea. And who knows that prayer and fasting opens up breakthrough in a way that nothing else can. But I don't want you to switch off if you think, oh, I'm not actually fasting. This, this message isn't for me. I want to encourage us as a movement. We've been doing 21 days of prayer and fasting. It's like corporately we're doing that. And the purpose of a corporate fast is to open up corporate breakthrough. So it's breakthrough for everyone. It's not just if you're fasting, you get a breakthrough. It's like you punch a hole in the heavens and everyone can make the most of that. Like, for example, Ron's brother who we've been praying for, he's not praying and fasting and he just got healed. So I want to encourage you, what are you believing for in this prayer and fasting that has punched a hole in the heavens and I believe is going to usher in continued miraculous testimony. So think about that while I'm speaking. What are you believing for? We're going to pray into that at the end. And I want to talk a little bit about fasting, just briefly unpack it. I'm not going to talk for long today, so we can all go and have a cuppa or head off to the welcome lunch. Um, yeah, so let's unpack fasting for a little bit. Making sure I'm up to everything. All right. I believe a large part of fasting, there's probably so much in it. Josh spoke a little bit about it last week when he spoke about praise and prayer and fasting, which was really good. But I believe a large part of it is just humbling ourselves before God, you know, 
God, I'm so desperate to, for you to break through my situation. This is so beyond me. This is so beyond anything the world has to offer in terms of, you know, medicine. And it's only you, God, that can break through. And we're believing, God, that you can do it. So in a way, it's making ourselves low. It's humbling ourselves and allowing more of God, allowing his power to come into that situation, allowing his power to come into our lives and the lives of those we're praying for. And as it says in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, uh, it says that his strength or his power is actually made perfect in our weakness. And I just think fasting is a perfect example of that. In our weakness, in our hunger, in our vulnerability, his strength and his power is actually made perfect and made manifest in that situation. So fasting releases power and authority. And there's actually many verses in the Bible about people humbling themselves, about people praying making themselves low before God and God answering them. As it says in 2 Chronicles 7.14, it might come up, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I'll forgive their sin and heal their land. So just the act of humbling ourselves before God, I think is really key in breakthrough, in life, in prayer, in fasting. All right, so Daniel 10, I'm going to read from that. just got to find my Bible. It's a mystery. Oh, it's under my notes, under there. Josh is sitting on it. All right, so you can open up to that if you want to open up to it. I love the book of Daniel. There's so much in it. And, you know, it talks about Daniel and his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and just goes through so many stories of God's power being outworked through them. And they were men set apart by God for a purpose and the beginning of it, like Daniel in the lion's den and Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego in the furnace and God kept them safe. Like it's just amazing how it shows God working. But then in the latter part, Daniel really humbles himself before God and he fasts and he prays and he, he prays for mercy on his people because he can see the mess that, the, that his people are in. There's sin that is rampant and he's saying, God, have mercy on us. We are in such desperate need of you. And God shows Daniel amazing insight speaks into the future and it is read the whole thing it's really good but on this note Daniel 10 this is uh, one part of uh, Daniel's story and how God spoke to him so it's long but bear with me it says in the third year of Cyrus king of Persia a revelation was given to Daniel who was called Belshazzar its message was true and it concerned a great war the understanding of the message came to him in a vision at that time, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. I ate no choice food, no meat or wine touched my lips, and I used no lotions at all until the three weeks were over. So three weeks is 21 days. And then on the 21st day, 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, the Tigris, I looked up, and there before me was a man dressed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Euphaz around his waist. His body was like topaz, his face like lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze. And his voice like the sound of a multitude. That would be pretty overwhelming, wouldn't it, seeing that? I, Daniel, was the only one who saw the vision. Those who were with me did not see it. But such terror overwhelmed them that they fled and hid themselves. So I was left alone, gazing at this great vision. I had no strength left. My face turned deathly pale and I was helpless. Then I heard him speaking. And as I listened to him, I fell into a deep sleep, my face to the ground. A hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. He said, Daniel, you who are highly esteemed, consider carefully the words I'm about to speak to you and stand up, for I have now been sent to you. And when he said this to me, I stood up trembling. Then he continued, 
Do not be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard and I have come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Now I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future. For the vision concerns a time yet to come. While he was saying this to me, I bowed with my face towards the ground and was speechless. The one who, like a man, touched my lips and opened my mouth and I began to speak. I said to the one standing before me, I am overcome with anguish because of the vision my Lord has shown me. I feel very weak. How can I, your servant, talk with you, my Lord? My strength is gone and I can hardly breathe. Again, the one who looked like a man touched me and gave me strength. Do not be afraid. You who are highly esteemed, he said, peace, be strong, now be strong. When he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, Speak, my Lord, since you have given me strength. So again, that's just an amazing encounter for Daniel as he humbled himself before God, as he was fasting, and God actually shows up and speaks to him powerfully. So I just want to pull like five quick things out of this, and um, I'm just going to like say them. It's not going to be super long. What can we learn from this? Firstly, fasting is a form of humbling ourselves, as I said, and it says from the very first day that you set to humble yourself before me, I heard your prayer. And um, yeah, may we just continue to humble ourselves before God. Secondly, in our weakness, as I said, it creates room for God's power to come into its own. And that was a pretty powerful encounter Daniel had then with an angel and, and with the Spirit of God. Fasting releases great power and authority. Thirdly, God reveals himself to us in prayer and fasting as he did to Daniel. And he gives us insight and understanding that I think otherwise he probably wouldn't show us unless we're in that position. Fourthly, as we humble ourselves, as we encounter God, he wants to strengthen us and give us courage for the journey as he said to Daniel do not be afraid peace now be strong and I love the fifth point Leanne shared this in worship a few weeks ago from day one the prayer of Daniel was heard it just took a little bit of outworking in the heavens for the answer and the fruit to be outworked on earth and I really believe that from day one of this fast things we've been praying for God has heard and there's going to be a continual outworking um, before our eyes of the miracles of that all right but the last thing my last point is, fasting is not only just about humbling ourselves, and we can learn that from Isaiah 58, a really interesting passage. I love Isaiah 58. It's titled True Fasting, and this is what it says. Shout it aloud. Actually, I might even get the band up. I think oh, I'm going to finish reading this, and then we're just going to speak up what we're believing for. Shout it aloud. Do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their rebellion and to the descendants of Jacob their sins. For day after day they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. They ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near them. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? So that's an interesting thing. Why are we fasting and you're not answering our prayers, God? Why have we humbled ourselves and you haven't noticed? I don't know if we've ever felt like that. Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarrelling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. That doesn't sound like the church, does it? Fighting and fighting. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is not the kind of fast I have chosen. Only a day for people to humble themselves. So it's not just for humbling. Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is that 
what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord, is not the kind of fasting I have chosen to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your real guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and He will say, here am I. How powerful is that? Yes, fasting is all about humbling ourselves and having an encounter with God and making ourselves low and tapping into God's strength. But it's saying all of that is useless if at the same time you're kind of just like pointing the finger at everyone and like he did this and she said that and that wasn't right by me. God's basically saying there's no point. So I just want to encourage us, part of our fasting, God is calling us into a coming together, into an agreement to step into something new, to loose the chains of injustice, to set the oppressed free, to feed the poor, to get out into our worlds, to be the light, as Tom said so beautifully. So I guess we've got to keep that in balance. Yes, humble ourselves, but yes, let's come together and step into something together for the world that is in desperate need of a touch from God. All right. God's doing a new thing. And offence is rampant in our world today, isn't it? We were, again, having a great chat with Tom and Claire about this last night. You know, there's different battles probably for every generation, different, I guess, mountains that maybe people of faith would face. And I guess offence is a huge mountain in our world today when society is like so politically correct and overly precious and maybe we can wrap our kids in cotton wool a bit. You kind of, people are so easily offended and I just think we have to be careful of that as Christians. And it might not be for now, it might be for the future. May we continue to work to be united together and work through things as they pop up in a robust manner. Okay. So... And I really think there's a grace on this church to loose the chains of injustice of people who are struggling to see darkness break, to see the kingdom of heaven advance in our midst. And I believe that this is what this fast has been about. It's apprehending something for those who are in darkness. It's apprehending something for those who have been oppressed by sickness and mental torment and cycles of domestic violence and oppression and all those things that the people in our worlds might be suffering with. We're believing that through our prayer and fasting, these are going to shift um, even this morning, even this week as we finish our prayer and fasting. I firmly believe these things are going to shift. So we're going to stand and we're going to pray. And I want, to th- I want you to, I guess, encourage you. You can stand now if you want. Don't all jump up too quick. <laughs> Um, I want to encourage you as we finish this last uh, praise song, what are you believing for? What impossible situation do you believe that God can break through as a result of this prayer and fasting? And I guess our prayer is that, you know, we humble ourselves before God um, and that He continues to reveal Himself to us as He did to Daniel, that He strengthens us, that He shows us insight and understanding, which I believe He will, but also that, that we can step into that true fasting that it talks about in Isaiah 58. So this is what I'm believing for, as I briefly touched. I'm believing this 21 days has punched a hole in the heavens that we've only actually seen a trickle trickle of the miracles that are yet to come, that chains of injustice in our community and our nation are broken and that those we've been praying for who are oppressed are going to be set free, that God is calling us into something new as a church. He wants us to walk into it united to put away with the pointing of the finger and the malicious talk, which even Lynn touched on that too, that healing would be the children's bread, that increased salvations, growth 
are in the wings, that God is moving in our kids at the church is the vehicle by which He wants to fill the whole earth with His presence. And Highway is a huge part of that. God's got a call and a mantle on us to fill our community, to fill the lives of those around us with His presence through us. As Tom said, we are the church. And I'm so excited, church, for what God is going to do through us. I can feel it in my bones. We were talking with our key team this week. We can feel it in our spirits. We are on the verge of stepping into something new. And I believe this prayer and fasting has ushered it in. And we're going to sing this song, which I believe is really prophetic. It talks about we're going to praise God until we see the other side. And we sang it earlier. We don't think the darkness is going to last long. Let a sleeping world awaken. And I really believe our praise, our declaration, our agreement this, this morning is going to call something to life in the atmosphere around us, that the atmosphere, atmospheres of darkness are breaking. A world that is sleeping is going to come to life. So awesome. Let's jump into it. We're going to thank God. Church, um, unaccustomed to speaking as I am, I have to share something with you. Um, uh, God often speaks to me in, in dreams and in movies. Oh, <laughs> that's the Holy Spirit. Don't worry about it. Um, yeah, and a movie I've seen, we've seen just recently is, um, some of you may be familiar with it, is The, uh, the African Queen. And it's about a, a, a small steamboat that works its way down a river system for, to, looking for freedom from oppression. And during the journey, um, there is many trials and, and uh, tribulations and, and, and damage is done to the boat, but it's repaired. And the two that start off are, are separate individuals, but as the journey goes down the river, um, they learn to, to work as one. Um, and, and their idea is to, to get to open water, to, to, to open clear spaces, clear spaces. And um, what happens as they work their way down towards this open water, the river um, spreads out into a delta area. And you know that the, the volume of water in the river is deep and flows well, but as it spreads out, there are many, many channels and there is less and less and less water. And you have to make those decisions about which way do we go? They all look the same. Um, and, and you don't know, there's no, there's no arrows pointing go this way or go that way. And what happened was that the water became so shallow and depleted that the, the ship became marooned in the mud, stuck in the mud. And the two people on board had, had, had virtually given up all hope, all hope of reaching this open, this open water. Little did they know that if they'd have climbed this little mast or this little structure on the boat, they were that close. They were, <laughs> they were that close. They were stuck in the reeds. They couldn't see out. Nobody could see in. Nobody could see them. They couldn't see out. They couldn't see how close they were. And they just about given up. And what has happened is that was living water had started to rain up in the headlands that they knew nothing about and was slowly working its way <laughs> down through the river system and into the delta. And while they were sleeping, they'd given up, and while they were sleeping, the waters rose over the night, lifted the, mud, lifted the boat out of the mud, and they found themselves drifting out into this open, clear, clear water. And that song, so many, as I was just looking, looking at it from the, the words, and I can't remember all of them, obviously, but 
it's so relative to what's actually happened. Can you feel the, the, the fresh winds or winds or something changing? We are so close. We are so close. I can, I can, I can hear the water coming down the river. I can hear it. I can smell it. I can smell. I can, I can feel the breeze, the fresh breeze in my face. We are that close. We are that close. So I thank you, Father. I thank you, Father, for the, for, for the living water that's going to lift this boat out of the water and deliver us, deliver us into, into open water, fresh, fresh, open space. And uh, we thank you, Father, for the, for the fresh breeze and the fresh direction. Uh, yeah, thank you. Amen. And that living water for dry and weary hearts too, God, that Larry spoke about. And I just love Larry shared that with me. And I love the idea that as the people slept in the boat, God actually brought the flow. And so it's not our effort. It's resting in God. And what was a storm actually caused the boat to become unstuck. So how good is God that he turns what the enemy meant for bad into good? And I just think that's a great word, Larry. So we're going to finish. Let's sing that on the note of that. Let a sleeping world awaken. Like, wake up.